0: Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of his word as delivered at Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Psalms 133, I want us to read that together. And then after I teach on Psalms 133, we're going to flip to Exodus 17 and we're going to hear the word of the Lord. Psalms 3 let's read it together. It says, "Behold, How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I want to preach from the message, uh, preach as a message this morning. Don't miss your assignment, you fit. That's what I'm preaching about. Don't miss your assignment, you fit. Father, the word is already blessed, but give us the articulation for this people, for this set time. And we give your name to praise and glory. And all God people said, amen. amen. Don't miss, you may be seated, don't miss your assignment. You fit. Don't miss your assignment. You fit. You fit. You fit. As we start to break down these three verses in principle form, um, I want you to understand this whole thing is about unity and the joy of brotherhood. Many times when we look at success, especially from a secular or um, modern point of view, we look at success, we think what determines a successful company for doing, for doing well is money. We think it's dollars that makes things grow and do wonderful things and, and reach milestones. And we think that way, we look at ourselves and we say the reason I'm not as far as I am or as far as someone else is, is because they had all the money. Because we think that success equals money. And we miss that really, when it comes to organizational effectiveness, money ain't everything. The truth of the matter, what it is that makes units grow, companies grow, churches grow, businesses grow, it's called a culture with healthy moral values. These qualities of this organization started by senior leadership then caught on by the next tier of leadership followed down to every employee every person makes this company come together to meet every opportunity it's the cultures and the values the truth of the matter if you have the culture and the values you can get the money many times people are after the money without the value I believe there are three basic things that help a company come together or family come together or business come together. One thing you got to have some level of agreement, some level of consensus. You got to be able to communicate where you're going, what you're talking about. What are we about to do? Involve people, educate people, inform people, then you got to rehearse what you already said over and over again, because sometime in the journey, you lose what you originally said. You lose the focus, you, you lose the why that brings everything together. And when you have church without the why, we miss what God really wants. When we sing songs without the why, we miss what God really wants. We can never forget the why. So sometimes we have to remind one another of the why. Yes, sir. Psalms 133 verse 1 lays out that it is good. It says, behold, it is good. Everybody say, behold, behold. it is good. It is good and it is pleasant. For brethren to dwell together in unity the, 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 the scripture starts off with the word behold, meaning you're about to see something that is breathtaking. If you can ever get people to come together in unity, you're going to see something that can change a community. If you can ever get people to come together in unity, you're gonna get something that can change your family. I'm telling you, problems happen in every household. But if a house, like my dad would say it like this, a house that prays together, stays together. What he was trying to say, that no matter what goes on in the family, if we can manage to come back together, talk to God about it, we can get through anything. Unity is something to behold it means that through unity we have become family we have become family this word family really has great emphasis in every aspect of our lives this word family we don't think about it but the bible says it like this even when you get married and it tells you to leave and cleave but it says a man shall leave his mother and his father And shall be, should be one with his wife and shall cleave. And we use that principle, leave and cleave. But the whole basis of the principle is he understands how to cleave because he was first connected to his mother and his father. He understands how to build a family because he was once a part of a family. And because he understands family, now he can leave his mother and father like the first level of graduation. He can graduate from his mother and father and now go on and connect with somebody else and build something because he understands what it is to be family. We can't take this lightly because family has been distorted. And if we're not careful, the definition of family is changing right before our very eyes. Because families have been um, hit from all types of sides. Families have had all types of tragedies. Sometimes people have uh, neglected their duties and responsibilities without any reconciliation. Without ever saying I'm sorry. Without ever saying forgive me. Families have been broken. Families have been shattered. People have gone through so much in their families that now it deals with their own mindset of who they are. Don't you understand part of your first identity of who you really are starts in your family. When your family appreciates you it helps you when you walk out the door to know that you appreciate it because you know if y'all don't like me I know somebody at my house likes me. If y'all don't appreciate me I know somebody at my home loves me but when sometimes the family has been distorted and hit from all types of sides people leave their homes not knowing who they are because they haven't had a good family yes, sir. family means everything and God wants us to endeavor to be family he wants us to endeavor to be family because this distorted view of family will haunt you when you at work When you're at work, if you don't understand family, then you will be in a place that you can't get along with anybody. And if you can't get along with anybody or everybody, you can't keep saying the problem is, is them, the problem is you. Because somebody should like you. Somebody should be able to talk to you. Somebody should be able to connect with you. And when you can't connect to anybody at the job, when you're so special and you're so unique, you know how some people talk about themselves so much. The only person that's a problem is them and not, is everybody else and not them themselves. But it's the definition of understanding family and having identity and god is trying to draw everyone in to family i think there's a special anointing if this church can ever really become family when we start becoming family family requires some things of each and every one of us and it becomes a challenge to migrate to the journey of becoming family When you don't don't recognize you're part of a family, what happens is you start rejecting what's designed to bless you when you don't recognize you're in the family you start rejecting what's designed to bless you you start holding back things you should give in to and things you should supply to you start holding back you you don't learn to have healthy vulnerability there's no way we're going to be able to win the loss and reach the loss and we can't even reach each other the Bible says something so profound in the book of James it says that we ought to confess our faults to one another You ever read that scripture? It means that there are times that believers get together and the way we stay healthy is we don't act like we always had it all together. But sometimes, I've been weak there before. Yes, sister, I understand what you're saying. The worst type of church gathering is people who never been nowhere, never experienced anything, and never have any level of vulnerability. And sometimes, the reason people can't really understand some parts of the church because some people don't know how to practice vulnerability healthy vulnerability so they're always appearing like they never had to go through a storm they're always appearing like they never had life lessons but somebody in the midst of us need to know that you didn't have it all together before you got it all together Somebody need to know in the family that a few mess ups ain't going to change your whole destiny. Somebody need to know that God has raised you up. God has blessed you with income. God has blessed you with so much. Somebody in the family needs to be inspired and encouraged by what you've been through. And so family has to practice vulnerabilities. You know, one thing I've learned about my own wife's family, they're really close family. They're very real close family. I had to get accustomed to it. Well, my family we love each other but in my household growing up we didn't say I love you we didn't say I love you it didn't happen in my household it didn't happen in my household. It wasn't a language that my parents did. And I'm not here today to be fussing about what my parents did, did, didn't do, did do. But the truth of the matter, what most likely happened did happen. Their parents didn't do, do it to them and they never adopted or picked up new principles and they never passed it on to us. So when I became grown and older, I decided I wanted a family where we confess our love. I decided it was foreign to me, and so Pastor Robinham family, her family got it big time. I mean, she's grown, married to me, and her, she walks in the, 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 the house at her mother's house, and, and and she and sits on her brother's lap, and he grab her in the headlock and punch her in the arm. I'm talking about family stuff, I ain't punch her in the arm, and I'm looking like, wait a minute, bro, your sister, but my wife. Hallelujah I'm looking kind of like Lord help me to adjust to this family You know what I'm saying and for them they fine but I'm sitting back on the couch all uneasy like man You put your one more time bro in law man. We got to talk man. This ain't cool But these were just family dynamics because they were really close all right and y'all know what it is like real close families But even real close families got to still have some boundaries right Or because you're real close Don't mean you all in my business all the time y'all don't know what I'm talking about sometime in families that when people feel like they have the authority to be everywhere in every place come on in every place come on it's like somebody who come to your house and you say come on in." you give them a cup of uh, something to sip on some crackers some cookies and you're sitting in the living room you go back in the kitchen and they don't walk down the hallway they in the bathroom and something like that hallelujah come on I invited you in my house but that meaning I invited you in my back room it don't mean I wanted you to be going through my drawers and the dressers in my house some people don't understand that family still gotta have some boundaries yes, sir. Yes, sir. family don't mean you just get to talk to me any type of way you want to talk to me family don't mean you just keep me disrespect me and do what you want to do because we family family has values and family have morals of respect yes, families got to talk about the Bible definition of family unity because I'm telling you families have been distorted and there are people in families who think they can do what they want to do say what they want to say And I mean just preaching I ain't talking about nobody in your family I'm just preaching I'm just talking there are people in their family feel like they got a license to jack everybody up when they want to say anything yeah, I ain't saying nothing I hope it ain't you but if it is today's your day for deliverance it's alright there are people in families just feel like they ain't never got a hush they can say what they want to Say, and then after they say it they ain't got to apologize why because somehow they the matriarch or the patriarch and they got some level of seniority and you can't act like that you will ruin the definition of family and then that same attitude come into the church and we wonder why we can't get along we wonder why we can't have any unity because of that distorted view of family (laughs) family but God wants us to be family that can dwell together in unity yes, we're not talking about families that can't stand each other you know no no church can really grow in progress when they don't like each other right. and I'm telling you very clear in this season you're gonna have to start liking one another oh no you're gonna have to start liking one another no, I'm preaching it to it for what God's trying to do in us and try to grow us in the spirit it's time to start liking one another oh yeah it's time to start liking one another it's time yeah it is I know I'm on it this morning yeah I know it. it's time to start liking one another it's time to start liking our brothers and our sisters and part of liking help me to get here Holy Spirit part of liking is learning because sometimes the reason you don't like your brother and sisters because you don't know them. And can, can we just set the record straight while I'm preaching about family. Everybody ain't going to be like you. Right. And you got to stop thinking that you're the perfect specimen that God made. And if everybody ain't like you, something wrong with them. That ain't true. You ain't the perfect specimen that God made as a human. You're perfect to be you. But everybody don't need to be like you that means everybody ain't gonna think like you everybody ain't gonna speak like you Everybody ain't gonna approach it like you come on and if you think everybody ought to think like you You have a problem with family But through Jesus Christ we have been made family Romans 8 16 through 17 says that we are children and if children heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ We have been brought into family. We are of the same tribe. We are kindred. We are brothers and sisters. This thing get real good in the gospel. This thing get real good in the gospel because once you get saved, you enter into a family that is beyond race. You enter into a family that transcends culture. Come on, and so that means even as a born-again Christian, you gotta get delivered from what your ancestors been through. I said you got to get delivered from what your ancestors been through You got to get delivered from what your ancestors been through Yeah, it happened, but you got to get delivered now Why? Because you're a part of a higher family Or oh, there are Christians all over the world That still don't believe in the higher family of the body of Christ You're in a higher family with higher ideals and higher morals Why? Because the blood of Jesus have paid the price for all sin. Even the sin of slavery. Glory to God and when you come into uh, 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 Come into the body of Christ and you come into knowledge and I'm speaking just not only just the African-Americans But I'll say this as well when you go into history You also recognize why history was evil is evil and wrong when you study history You find out what you find out that African-Americans wasn't the only people in slavery Don't you find that out too? come on Tell somebody when we read history find that out, too. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I know it. I know the enemy wanted African-Americans to hold on to their pain more than anybody else and I'm not saying there don't need to be reconciliation I'm not saying there ain't ain't no racism in the world but if you get blinded you miss that the devil has put all types of people in slavery for generations and generations it was a part of warfare when you captivated a people in a society part of what you did is put them into slavery and history books tell you that so we must come into the family of God and God is trying to bring us and make us family. Everybody say family. Yeah. To have unity and family, again, you got to understand their roles, their callings, their giftings, and there is grace. Yes, sir. Everybody's not the same. You got spiritual gifts and spiritual callings. You got apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. They all have different perspectives and different graces or scopes to fulfill the kingdom of God. Then you have another aspect of diversity called the gifts of the Spirit See this is what I'm telling you if you're gonna really be in the uh, God's family tell somebody we're gonna to have to grow We're gonna to have to grow because we now we got see people got different graces or different anointings different flows But now we find out in 2nd Corinthians 12 4 through 11 that God handed out different gifts now we got people that's in the family with different gifts Some have wise counsel. Some have good understanding. Some have the gift of healing the sick. Some have the gift of performing miracles. Some have the gift to teach and preach and proclaim. Some have the gift of discernment. Some have the gift of interpretation of, of, of tongues. But the truth of the matter, every gift comes from the same spirit. So that means all because we are diverse in how we flow, we still should be united as family because it's just by one spirit. And all because you have a different gift, that shouldn't lead us into no argument. That shouldn't lead us into no fights and no rifts because we are all connected by one spirit. Say the self-same spirit. This self-same spirit brings us into unity. Unity, although we have diverse gifts, it brings us into unity. And so when we have unity, then, number verse 2, it produces something called a precious ointment. A precious ointment. So now unity produces an anointing. Unity produces an oil. It is like, it is similar to, it is related to, verse 2, it is like precious ointment. Upon the head. So unity produces an oil. And it comes upon the head. So in an organization, you got to have a good head. Tell somebody, you need a good head. Or you tell somebody, pray for your head. Say, feed your head. Say, comb your head. (laughs) I'm telling you, you better pray and keep up with your head. See, things change through leadership. And it starts with the head. See, I don't know about you, but you got to have a good leader. In everything you do, you got a good leader. And even on your job, you can't sit there and complain about your boss all day. You keep complaining all you all you want to. Guess what? That's your head. You better learn to start complaining and get to praying. You better learn to start complaining and get to supporting. You better learn to start complaining and become a resource because the oil starts on the head. It starts on the head and it runs down and flows from the head. Then after it gets on the head, look how this unity works to an anointing. starts on the head because if it don't have a head, then it's an organization without direction. So you got to have a head. You got to have a head. Even your whole life, your your whole life is all about your head. If you want to change your life, just change what's in your head. If you want to change the results you're getting, just change what's getting in your head. Change what you're eating, change what you're listening to, change what you're feeding, and watch the strength you start having. Really, it's just a head problem. It's just a head problem. It's just a head problem. You know, many times in life, when you're upset about your results, it's just a head problem. And if you can get the head right, the head is the beginning of the flow. It's the beginning of the flow. All right, so we start at the head, but watch verse 2. It ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirt of the garments. So now the anointing goes from the head down unto the beard. The beard here represents mature people because only mature people can handle difference. Only mature people can handle diversity. So the oil, don't get on the shoulders, it don't go from the head to the shoulders, it comes to the beard. The beard represents people of maturity. See, y- y- young kids don't grow around with no beard. We better not have no five-year-old kids with no beard now. You know what you been through, how huh? You done sped up this process. beard represents mature people so what it begins to say is as the anointing is flowing or success is flowing in an organization those who are ready and mature can be a part of the distribution of the oil what happens in our organization or in our church is if the oil starts flowing from the head and you put it into the hands uh, of immature people it never gets to the next level because immature people also try to hold everything for themselves see immature people who hadn't learned identity and who they are they're not about passing on anything to anybody all they want everybody to know is the oil is on me and i look good with the oil they're not interested interested in no one else being oily They're not interested in no one else growing. They're not interested in passing on information. So they have a tendency to hold everything so they can seem more important than they already are important. They are important, but they hold things so they can be more important. And they're not interested in the distribution to other people. So everybody else is starving for the oil because they're holding on to the oil. But the the oil runs through mature people, people who've taken ownership of the oil, people who understand that we just can't come to church every Sunday and expect everything to be in place without somebody doing something. Come on, everybody in the church can't be a Sunday morning consumer. A consumer gets their money, go to the church and say, go to the church and say, feed me. I've been going through hell all week, feed me. My children acting up, feed me. I got things going in my life, feed me. That's consumerism. It means you go into the store and you want to make a purchase so you can go back home. And we can't have everybody in the church being in consumerism. We got to move into manufacturism. To being manufacturers of the good. See, everybody wants the good from the shelf. But who want to get in the back room and make the goods? So that when people come in, they can partake of the goods. See, when you ain't matured, you say, I ain't got time to make no goods. I come get the glory. Not recognizing that the same person who's making the good also gets the benefit from the good you don't just make it but i can not only can i go in the back and make the good but then i can go in the front and get it from the shelf and buy the good and we got too many people who are in the church interested in consumerism feed me pastor feed me feed me minister amber feed me Do this for me. Do this for me. And what happens is the church end up being ran by 20 people. 20 people who get tired. 20 people who sacrificing everything. 20 people. 50 people. Come on. uh, Just a minimum of people. And the church is full. And there are churches who are full and fooled. Because they think they got real success because the church is crowded on a Sunday. But real success is when people come to church with their contribution and with their gift. Saying, I don't just come here to eat, I come here to give. I come here to supply. Oh, I got to preach it because your destiny is locked up and you're learning how to give your gift. I say your destiny is locked up and learning how to give your gift. There are too many people always asking God for something and you holding on to your gift. Jesus did no miracle to 5,000 people without two fish and five loaves. And too many times we always want something from God without contributing our gift. But the mature people understand I'm going to give and I'm still going to eat that's what the mature people do, I'm going to support and God's still going to bless me can I be honest with you the testimony of my life is Matthew 6 and 33 when I start seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness when I start putting the kingdom of God first when God became priority in my life everything shift my money shift, my mind shift, my house shift my family shift and sometimes people just think God is a genie you know but god know your heart you know you come to church sunday morning say i gotta get out of this situation i gotta get out this situation oh i'm gonna sow a 50 dollar seed you sow a 50 dollar seed and god don't bless you for three more years why? Because God will try your heart. God will say, I'm going to see if you can be faithful after you've given your seed. Because sometimes we act like we do one act of faith, and God is some type of genie we rub it, some type of hocus pocus, and God has to teach us character and stamina. Yes, sir. Good. Oh, I'm teaching. <laughs> I'm teaching. And this is what produced the oil. People who are mature... The church, if we're not careful, will become in place of few workers and plenty spectators. Uh, we're not careful. We come with our gift and leave with our gift. We're not careful. Some people are only not interested in what I call the cooking process. And we all at times get trapped. We're not wanting to go through the cooking process. We all do. That's why we have the rise of convenient restaurants, fast food restaurants. Because whatever is going on in our lives, we don't have time for the cooking process. So with the cooking process, you take pieces and parts to make a whole. When the cooking process, things are not already packaged in the cooking process. Not in the cooking process. In the cooking process, you've got to take out the milk and the eggs. Until then, right now, you just got milk and eggs. And then if you want something else, you got to put some flour in it. You got to, it takes time. And then you got to put that thing in the oven and then you got to wait. See, and if we're not careful, we'll become a church that nobody wants to go through the cooking process nobody want to wait on nothing everybody want to come to church and don't let church be a little slightly off that Sunday or night like it was last week I don't know what's going on with them well maybe somebody not cooking maybe somebody coming to church wanting everything packaged maybe they were distracted because before they could do what they had to do they had to go and clean up and do something that somebody else could have done maybe because they wasn't focused enough because something else was distracting them from what they could have been focused on you see what I'm saying and, and you wanted them to have everything laid out and perfected for you because you wasn't in just going to the store and getting something off the shelf. And you didn't understand there is a cooking process. Yes, sir. There's a cooking process. Everybody just can't show up on Sunday and just expect to eat good. Somebody got to cook this thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And see the oil flows through leadership. And down to the skirts when people understand there's a process of being mature. Here it is in verse three. This is what happens. Verse me at verse two. And they went down to the skirts of the garments. Listen what happens. We're not interested, and this is where I am as a pastor and a leader right now. I'm not interested in being the pastor of this church. And I've said this to our leaders, and I'm saying it out loud to everybody. And the only person in here that's anointed is me and Pastor Robin. Or, and I know it's not true, I'm just using it as an illustration, or maybe a minister Amber. I'm not interested in it to a church where just two people are anointed. Because that's the case, this church can be taken down any day. Yeah. See, because if he just come and get me, he got the church. Why? Because the oil is only on the head. It's no good when the only person in the church is the pastor. And he gets up and let everybody know, I walk in the fivefold fold anointing. And God uses me. And he the only one anointing. No one else can read scripture and the glory come. No one else can preach. No one else can pray for the sick. No one else can lay hands. No one else can cast out devils. What's happening, the oil is getting stuck on the head. But what God is trying to move us into is called a corporate anointing. God is trying to move us into a corporate anointing where the oil flows down from the head to the beard to the skirts. We need an anointing that flows. Say anointing that flows. Here it is in verse 3. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. At the place of unity is where God commands the blessing. It means you can't imagine what God would do when you get into an atmosphere of togetherness and unity tell somebody we got to get unity now let's flip to exodus 17 and i'm gonna close right here watch this taught you a few principles let me show you to you in practice exodus 17 here's practice exodus 17 here we go Listen to this verse one. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. And after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord. And pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses, argued, first, upset with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirst there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought up uh, brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Now listen here, the people get to a place in Rephidim. There's no water there. And the first thing they begin to say to Moses is, You don't brought us out of Egypt to kill us? You done brought us out this far? Talking about God want to free us? See, that's what happened when the anointing is not on the body. A body that's not anointed is hard to lead. I said a body that's not... A body that doesn't pray is hard to lead. A body that doesn't read their Bible is hard to lead. Because they haven't been with God all week So when the man of God starts speaking They don't know what he's talking about They ain't got no aspects of faith They're not flowing in anything Why? Because they haven't been with God all week So when the man of God starts speaking They are wondering, wonder what he's talking about yes, sir. They start fussing with Moses Saying you done brought us out here to die Kill our children Moses cried and said what shall I do with this people They be ready to stone me The Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel, take the leaders, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders and he called the name of the place Massa Meribah because the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not it represents this is how people respond when they don't have no oil we don't have no prayer life we don't have no, no reading the Bible life Pastor can't lead them nowhere then watch this then came Amlet Um, Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now notice after they get through all this confusion after they start this um, argument with their leader in the midst of that here comes the enemy. What does the enemy come to do? Disrupt unity. Why? Because he understands that they're not walking together in unity. And now the enemy comes right at that time after the Lord has brought provision, right? The Lord has brought provision. The Lord is making a way out of no way, bringing water. But now in the midst of now here comes their enemy. Amalek means dweller of the valley. Rephidim means resting place, a place of support. So, in actuality, God had brought them to Rephidim to be a resting place. It was just a transition place, a place that God was going to support them. In the midst of it, they thought there was no water. They started to complain. God manifested water right in the midst of it. But now here comes their enemy, Amalek. And Moses said unto Joshua, Watch this choose out men and go out fight with Amalek. Joshua talks to Moses and says, Moses. I need you to go and pick out some folks Notice what happens in organizational leadership? Moses did not pick the people to go fight with Joshua Joshua has have enough gift to build his own team Moses didn't build Joshua's team he said Moses and said Joshua so Moses uses his, his anointed to appoint leadership Then he says now leaders find other people Leaders become recruiters Choose out men and go fight with Amalek tomorrow And I will stand on the top of the mountain with the rod of God in my hand give him the full instructions How this thing is gonna happen, but get some fighters so we can go fight Amalek Notice that it says leaders build good teams so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. So Joshua's out there with his team and they're fighting against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. All right. So we see a formula here of unity and a formula of success. As long as Moses is, is, has his hands lifted up, it also means a surrendered life. It means that Moses living a surrendered life. As Moses is able to keep his hands up and trust in God, right? As long as hands are up, they are prevailing. But when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. All right. So we see this, this formula. that happens even through leadership that's why leadership is so important again as Moses has his hands up they get victory when Moses hands go down Amalek prevail but Moses hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and he sat there on now wait a minute Moses hands got heavy now this is what this is the difference between a church that's gonna move to the next level and a church that's not gonna move and grow it's what happens when leadership or people's hands get heavy. Churches that don't have oil on the rest of the body, they complain and whine when they see somebody's hands get heavy. They complain and whine and they say, what's wrong with him? He supposed to be the leader. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with them? They supposed to be this and they supposed to be be that. But how many know everybody has a level of strength? Everybody still has some levels of weakness and Moses was doing good for a season, holding up his hands by himself. But sometimes we watch people do things by themselves and expect because they did it by themselves last month. They're good to do it by themselves this month. And because they had success last time, holding up their hands by themselves. We expect them to have success all the time holding up their their hands by themselves. And if we're not careful again, we become complainers and we start talking about this ain't that and this ain't that, and, you know, and we, we use these as opportunities of, yeah, if Moses would have worked out. His hands would have been stronger, you know, if Moses would have, you know, uh, laid off the, off the off the Twinkies and leave that revenue. No, no, this ain't about diet. See, sometimes we come with all this. That's what complainers do. Complainers look for every reason not to supply. They look for every reason not to support. They're going to look at everything. They're going to use everything to say why something is happening. Rather than saying, what can I do about this situation? Yeah. Moses' hands were heavy and they said, and they, who they? Aaron and Ur took a stone and put it under him and he sat there on. And, uh, and Aaron and Ur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Now listen to this. What happens most of the time, people watch people lose. And you got responsibility for what you see. Right. We read the scripture that Moses told Joshua, go pick men. Joshua went and picked men. Moses gave instruction. Here's another form of how you come together in unity. Moses ain't said nothing to Aaron and Earth. But what I want to know is what has your sight told you to do? What have you seen not go right? That if you supplied, things will be much better. What have you seen? What has your eyes? Aaron and Ur is up on the hill with Moses watching not just Moses' hands go down, but watching everybody in Israel lose because his hands are going down. Moses don't tell Aaron and Ur what to do. There are certain things you should know that you're called to because you see it. Let me see if I can teach this right. Most things that aggravate you, you are called to solve. But if you're not careful, all you will do is gossip and complain what you're called to solve. And and then nobody else see it like you see it because no one is called to do it like you need to do it. See, Aaron and Ur have responsibility now because they see what's happening. Moses ain't said nothing to Aaron and Ur. This is what happens when you start having insight. Aaron and Ur got insight. They're watching his hands go down and they begin to say, what can we do? They say, all right, if the victory, Lord help me, if the victory is in the holding of his hands, we ain't got to make this all deep and, and mystical. We ain't got, all we need to do you, is two of us, you get on one side and I get on the other. He got two hands. They, they went, you get on one, you got one hand, I got on the other. And It also means that they give Moses support. And then before they got on the side of him, this is what the scripture says. Before they got on the side of him, they sat him on a rock. So Moses no longer had to stand up and use his own strength. He sat on the rock, they put him on the rock. Figuratively, metaphorically, prophetically, it means they sat him on the word of God. Moses' hands were going down, they said, Moses sit on what God said. We're gonna cause you to remember what God told he was gonna do in the army. Cause sometime while you're in the battle, you need to be reminded of what God told you you was going to do. And they put, they helped Moses remember. Oh, you talking about some good support. Ain't nothing like it when the husband come home from work and he done lost his job and his head hang down. His wife said, "Baby, what's the matter?" He said, "Baby, it didn't go well today." <laughs> it don't matter. But I know what God done said to you. <laughs> I know what God gonna do. Because the worst thing to do is to come home and somebody to remind you of who you are. I won't say nothing. I won't say nothing. I love my wife. I love her dearly and I'm telling you I would never come home to somebody always complaining. I would never do it. Some of y'all can take it. I can't. I can't never. I'm gonna leave it alone. No I'm not. Because I know who I am. I know I'm going some places. Come on. And I can't have no complaining. In my, not in my view that close not living in my house sooner or later you gonna have to learn how to speak some things as though they were you gonna have to learn how to speak my faith and talk my faith y'all ain't saying nothing some of y'all complaining too much in your house and you think you somebody because you can call it because of what you see you ain't nothing. Everybody knew I got laid off today. You ain't said nothing. That's a fact. But how many can prophesy that God gonna turn that thing around? How many got enough faith to believe God gonna flip this thing for my good? You ain't saying nothing. Call it things just. Everybody know that. I told y'all, feel a preacher, teacher, workshopish. I told y'all, amen and I put him on the rock. Something that ain't going to change. Something that ain't going to shift with seasons. Something that ain't going to change because of trouble. They remind Moses of the word. They put him on the rock. Get on the side of him. One get on the left, one get on the right. And they hold up his hands. Steady until the going down of the sun. I want you to see that you're already in the family. And nobody ain't got to keep telling you to get involved. You in the family, you fit. You hitting his thing now. Ain't nobody got to keep telling you to get involved. Get involved. Ain't nobody got to keep telling you to get involved. Come on, we're going to do some creative things. We ain't got to get get no special invitation all the time. Come on now, pay attention. Open your eyes. Open your eyes, folks, come on. Open your eyes. Moses was, everybody was losing because his arms was coming down. Everyone was like, we got a simple solution from here. Come on. One get on the left, one get on the right. They heard up his hand steady until the going down of the sun. Verse 13, I'm doing. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, because Moses' hands are lifted, Aaron and Ur is doing their function. Now, what's so awesome about this whole unity here? Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, where's Joshua? In the valley fighting Amalek. Now Joshua can't come after the war, after he defeats Amalek and say, I'm a bad fighter. You don't know how, what I did. Yeah, you did good, Joshua. But you don't know that Aaron and Ur was holding up Moses' hands. So you can't get cocky because your little department doing good. The only reason your department doing good is because somebody else is doing their part. See, Joshua can't come back and talk about I'm just the best fighter. You ain't the best fighter without prayer. You ain't the best fighter without the intercessors, you ain't the best fighters. Come on. Joshua can't get all arrogant. Because Aaron and Earth did their part. Moses did his part. And because of this thing called unity, they experienced something called a corporate anointing. I knew that they would be different in my teaching and my preaching. I got to prepare this church for a corporate anointing. I got to prepare this church because that's what I've been saying ever since especially the pandemic hit this world. I remember in our first parts of the pandemic, I had a vulnerability that was very unhealthy. I had a vulnerability that was very unhealthy because there's very few of us at the beginning in the sanctuary And most of us was at home, rightly so, for safety, figuring out how to manage this thing. I had a very unhealthy vulnerability that was happening to me. I felt like a captain in a war by myself. Now, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. Tell somebody it wasn't true. But that's how I started feeling. I didn't have faces to tell me I wasn't in here by myself. I knew God had reaped this church with hundreds of members but it was only very few people. So I was getting this message every Sunday, every week that I was in this thing by myself. This subliminal message kept coming to me that I'm in this thing by myself. I felt like a captain with with a charge from God but no people to give it to. And I understood what was going on but that was just a part of going through the season. And at that time it developed my mentality Versus allowing to cave me in, I developed a mentality of this. This church got to get much bigger than who I am. This church got to grow in diversity, got to grow in skill, got to grow in multiple gifted leaders. Because the real threat is you being anointed. Oh, the real threat is you being anointed. We know the anointing starts with the head. Or will the anointing flow down the real threat the real threat is when somebody discerns the devil at the door and he never makes it to the altar oh that's the real threat the real threat is when the greeter say hey shatai come outside." oh y'all don't expect to have spirit field greeters and spirit field parking attendants who say, come in and park right here. We're glad you're right here. We don't know what's been going on in your week, but we believe the Word's going to set you free. Oh, that's the real threat. Oh, the real threat ain't just when I'm anointing. The real threat is when you get anointed. And God is trying to move us into a place of anointing and unity and corporate manifestation. And God's telling me, he said, Pastor, don't give up on this anointing. He said, because I've seen enough men of God die. That's what God talked about. And the move dies with them. Whether they die because it's time or their age or whatever the circumstances may be. God said, I've seen enough men die, women of God die, and the move go down in the grave with them. Because there's been no transfer. And God said, I'm trying to move this church to a place where we're walking in corporate anointing, we're walking in corporate unity. When the enemy knows, he no longer can focus on just fighting a few people in this church. He's going to have to fight all y'all to win. Clap your hands right there. That's victory. I'm telling you, that's a different anointing. Well, you're standing on your feet and we're going to contend for this anointing in this church. We're going to contend for this type of unity, this type of family. We're going to contend for this type of culture and this type of value. Where everybody understands who they are and how they fit it's amazing in this story in exodus 17 it looks like aaron and er are simple companions of moses it seems like you know they just by moses side all of a sudden their function kicks in all of a sudden their season kicks their time gets in and i'm talking to some of you today who just feel like man I've been waiting to do something. I'm telling you, it's your time and it's your season. Aaron and Earl just walked up with Moses the whole time. It was good to have companions, though. Leaders don't need to be going too many places by themselves. I say, no leader need to be going any place in the spirit by themselves. Aaron and Earl goes with him, and he's just there until all of a sudden his hands start coming down you lift your hands, I want to pray today, special especially on this church, online. I want to pray for the body of Christ, but I really care about what God's trying to do with us. That God is really trying to bring us into unity, diversity of gifts. While your hands are lifted, I want to know that we're going to have to get to know some of you even more. I said earlier that we can like people that we start learning. We got to start learning each other more. Sometimes church can just become an hour, two hours of just praise and worship, and we don't do anything else to learn each other. But God wants us to go into a different direction so we can have a different anointing. God wants us to go in a different way. We got to maneuver, different way. We got to approach ministry, approach each other. We got to find out what God has put in some of you guys. You're gifted, at, a, I mean you're so gifted, you're so clever of so you got wisdom, strategy. Everybody don't sing. Everybody say everybody don't sing. The reason I say that is because singing is one of the gifts that is visible and so sometimes people run to the gift that's visible. They run to it because they think they're going to be overlooked in having a non-visible gift. trying to get some of you set because some of you have have a non-visible gift always like to say this thing that God told me is the reason that we have success in the pulpit is because we have success in the planning room meaning before we get up and preach the planning room like the board of directors you don't see the board of directors on Sunday morning you don't see them at all but they serve a function that if they didn't do what they do and keep us balanced and focused, we may not have a Sunday morning. Y'all, you you do not hear what I'm saying? But because things are happening first in the planning room, the blessing then comes to the pulpit, and then the blessing goes out to the pew. And there are some of you gotta get confident in your role in ministry. Every role is not going to be a visible role, but every role is appreciated. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him.